0: All right, you guys can go ahead and have a seat. Um, So Gulfside is a place that loves to build up leaders. Um, And so Andrew, who will be coming out in a second, he uh, serves every single week. Um, He comes in super early, sets up a lot of stuff. We have a lot of great volunteers, um, and he works super hard. So will you guys welcome him this morning as he comes to give the word? Thank you, guys. Woo. <laughs> Move my chair over here because I don't like it over there. All right. Well, welcome, Gulfside Church. I am so excited to be here with you today. If we haven't had the opportunity of meeting yet, my name is Andrew, like Aspen said, and I'm just super excited to be here with you today. Does, does anybody remember these things? This is for, if you can't tell what it is, this is an envelope. Full of pictures, so film pictures. I know Nathan over there; he doesn't know what these are. And my sister-in-law, she doesn't know what these things are either. This is a picture of myself, my wife, at our wedding. Uh, We have film pictures, and stop judging me. I'm old enough to know what these are. I know I look young, but that's it's okay. I know what these are. I have a full album or full envelope full of them right here. But for for you who don't know how we came about getting these pictures, we used to have to actually go the pharmacy, go to the store, and get a film cartridge. So, you guys, I know she doesn't know what the heck that is. We had to get a film cartridge, and when we got the film cartridge, we had to insert it into our camera. And then once we did that, we had to go, and wind the thing up. So, we were ready to take a picture. You had to wipe off all the smudges, because if there's a smudge on the lens, it would blur the picture, and then it ruins all the pictures that on the entire cartridge. You had to charge the flash. You had to do all these things. Don't breathe when you're taking a picture or else it's gonna come out blurry. You had to worry about all these things uh, before you took a picture. And then once you finally filled the film cartridge with all the pictures, you had to take it to the pharmacy to get them developed or you had to ship them off to get them developed and that could take a few weeks at times or a few hours if you went to the pharmacy. But either way, it took a little while. And once it was there, They actually had a specific development process for each and every picture, which meant they had to take the film, and they had to take it into what they call the dark room, where there's no light, and they had to develop these photos in a very specific way, and if any part of that process was messed up, your pictures are gone. They're destroyed, they're ruined, you're never going to see that perfect selfie you took, you're never going to see that good family photo that you guys took, but this photo is ruined. It's so different from how we take pictures nowadays, because now I can literally pull up my phone, and if I want, I can take a selfie with you guys. So there's, there's a good one. But, oh, I, I'm sorry, I blinked. So I, I can take a new one. I'm going to take one to this side. Oh, right, there they are. So I can take one to that. John, you blinked that time. But I can, so I can keep taking pictures and pictures, and I can just keep taking them and instantly see my results. It's so drastically different from before when I would take a picture and I would have to wait weeks to actually see how it turned out to now I can just take pictures and look at them instantly. And I, I think this Insta culture has bled into our culture and now it's, it's something that we, we hate waiting. We, we just despise waiting. We hate going to the DMV because we have to sit and we have to wait and we can't do anything. We hate long lines at restaurants because we have to wait it's just something that we despise doing is waiting. But I think this has also bled into our relationship with Jesus. And we just expect God to do, to give us many blessings, and we can look at God and say, you know, I'm, I haven't gone to church in two months, but I'm going to go because I need him to help me out. So I'm going to drop a $10 bill on the plate and expect him to, my $4,000 debt is gone. That's it. But we wish that was the process, and we wish that's how God worked, but he's not a genie. We can't rub the lamp, and then he appears and get three wishes. It just doesn't work that way. There's a proper development process that God calls us to go through before we we see all of his provisions and um, all all the ways that he can work in our lives. So we have to go through this process, which is described very well in Psalm uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 which is going to come up on the screen for you guys, if you didn't bring your Bibles. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in each season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. So It's real easy for me to read that, and skip over those first two verses that look like a lot of work, and just see this end verse where it says, oh, I'm going to prosper in everything I do, sold. I'm doing that. I want to live that life. But it, like I said before, it is not that easy. You have to go through this development process that God calls us to do. And just to give you, um, so we're talking about trees here, and it, it really helped me to think like, all right, well, this is a big tree, and this, it took a long time for this thing to develop. But I took... I got some pictures of these giant redwood trees in California. So this is the first picture of it. Look at those, like they're little kids, but it would take 40 kids or so to reach all the way around that trunk, which it's, it's just huge. And then there's another picture. Just look at how tall those things are. So I can look at that and I can say that wasn't just an overnight success. That wasn't, okay, I'm following God and now I see all these blessings. This is years and years and years. These, these trees are hundreds of years old. So I can look at this and say, well, these trees didn't appear overnight or even in the last five years, 10 years, or 50 years. These things are hundreds of years old. So I know that these things were developed through the proper process and the same rule applies for me. The, the prospers in all he does, this tree example, this is the end result of the process God has for us. So we all want to be successful no matter what is happening around us, but there's a process to get there, and it doesn't happen insta. So what we know about trees is you can't just take a tree and put it there and expect it to be that tall and and stand through any kind of wind. So my first point today is trees aren't planted, but seeds are. Trees aren't planted, but seeds are. So what does it take for a seed to grow, or a tree to grow? There's a few things that go into the mix, but water is one of the most vital parts of the growth of a tree. So we know, just seeing trees around, we know that they get their water source from rain. And they, they rely on rainy seasons, but during the dry season, what do they do? They, they, some of them struggle, and they, when they wither, the trees fall off, or the leaves fall off, and th- those trees are struggling. So th- these are, but it's different in this scripture because this, this tree that it's talking about in scripture, it is planted by streams of water. So this tree, while others rely on rain um, and in the dry season they struggle, this, this tree, it doesn't matter what the external circumstances are, it still has its water source because it's planted by streams of deep living water. So it's like, Andrew, why are you telling me about trees? I know how trees get watered. But this this scripture is a picture of what it looks like for a mature Christian after they go through the development process God has for them. So this is saying, uh, I prosper in all I do. I'm planted by streams of water. It doesn't matter what's happening in the government. It doesn't matter what's happening at my job. It doesn't matter what my bank account looks like. My strength doesn't come from those sources. My strength comes from the one true never-ending source, which is Jesus Christ. The other quality about this tree that we see is that it yields fruit in every season. What we know about fruit trees is they, they have a specific season in which they bear fruit, and then it comes harvest time. But then when, when the cherries are out of season, they cost 13 bucks for a bag of cherries at, at the store, and it's ridiculous. But so these, this tree, it bears fruit in each and every season. But what does that look like for a Christ father? This is talking about the fruits of the Spirit, which are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So this is saying that it doesn't matter, again, what my external circumstances are. My strength comes from Jesus and Jesus Christ alone, and that's where the fruits of the Spirit come from. That's why we can show this level of joy, this level of patience and kindness when the circumstances around us are crappy, but our strength comes from Jesus. So I wanted to stop and ask you guys a question, and I want you guys to really think about this and ponder on it. Would you say your, your strength comes from your circumstances, or does your strength come from your source? And I want you to stop and think about that for a little bit, and I want you to take this home and think about it and ponder over it, and to try to think like, man, where, where does my strength come from? And if it's not coming from God, then you're missing out on the never-ending supply that Jesus has and the blessings that he, he wants to bless you with. When your life is built on your connection with God, you don't have to search or rely on random pick-me-ups. And I have another picture that's going to come up. It's a picture of a little seed. So in this picture, this is a seed on the far left. It starts off like that. And then, as it grows, you see the changes. But look at how much happens beneath the surface before anything ever happens above the surface. So going back, going back to the, pic, the example of the, of the dark room with the photos, they had to go through a very specific process in the dark room. And if any part of that process was expedited, or if any part of the process was messed up, that tree would be destroyed, or that, uh, that picture would be destroyed. So th- with this, so much happens beneath the surface. That, what that looks like in the life of a believer is God wants to work on these fruits of the Spirit. He wants to build your capacity to be able to be joyful in every season, to be able to uh, be kind and gentle and have self-control. He wants to wor- work on your humility. He wants to develop all of these things because if I decide oh man, like I have this gift. I'm good at it. I'm going to go and I'm going to use that gift, but it's not in God's timing. The enemy's going to see that and he's going to look at that and he's going to be like, "Ooh, well, I can, he's not really strong in this area, so I can just pick at him here and I can... I can destroy him in this way, which will ruin what God has for him. I'll ruin the development process that God has for him. So it's very crucial that we stick to God's development process because if, if we try to jump out too soon, then the enemy's going to see that and he's going to be like, well, not anymore. You're done. Um, So the next thing, um, what else does a seed need to grow? What else does it need to grow big and strong? We always plant seeds in a pot of good soil, or we always plant seeds in good soil. And if we put it in crappy soil, then, I mean, you're not going to get good results. It's not going to get its nutrition that it needs. It's not going to be able to grow deep roots but we want to plant it in good soil. So what does that look like for us? I want to ask you guys a question, which is my next point, but how's your soil? How's your soil? What I mean by that is what are you surrounding yourself with? Are you surrounding yourself with social media, the news where like 75% of it's negative or even more than that? Are you relying on um, social media or, or bad friends? Are you surrounding yourself with these things, because if you are, it could be poisoning you, and it can be taking you further back in the development process that God has for you. So this really made me think of the the saying, show me your friends, and I'm going to show you your future. Show me your friends, and I'm going to show you your future. There's a really cool uh, social experiment that I saw on a show that I really like to watch. You're going to judge me for it. I already know. It's called Brain Games. Don't call me a nerd because I, I like the show. It talks about a lot of different, uh, it's the power of the brain and how it can really trick you. But, so in this specific sh- social experiment, they had, it was a fake eye, doctor's appoint- or fake eye doctor's office, and they had about 15 people who were in on the test One person who was completely oblivious, they had absolutely no idea of what was happening. So this person came in, and she sat down, and then they were all sitting in the waiting room. And then all of a sudden, you see her there, she's sitting there, and all of a sudden they they all just stand up when they hear this bell. And she's looking at them, very confused. This is the next one. So then it takes three rings, and then this girl just stands up, with the rest of the group because all she, she just hears a bell and everyone else stands up. So she's like, oh, well, I, I have to do the same thing. So she stands up. And then it goes on to the point where all of these people you see with her, they all get called back in the, way, in the experiment or, or the treatment area one at a time, and to the point where she's the only one left. And I was like, surely she's not gonna stand up this time. There's no way. She's not gonna do it. But the girl stands up. <laughs> In the middle, like, she has nothing to prove to anybody. There's no one else around her that's, uh, that's telling her she has to do this. But she still stands up just because everyone else was doing it, and she still feels like she has to. And then they, I think they just let this experiment keep going, and they wanted to see what happened. But one by one, another person walks into the waiting room, and they hear this bell, and then they see her stand up. And this, guy, this cat right here, he just walked in, and, and she, he saw her stand up. So, she, so he looked at her and he said, why are you standing? Like, what, what's happening? And she said, I don't know. Everyone else is doing it, so I thought I had to. So, they, so he starts standing up with her, and then it goes on to show at least 15 other people who do the same exact thing. But I, I know this is, a lot of you guys are saying, I wouldn't stand up. That's stupid. That's ridiculous. But there's something that is hardwired in our brains. It's called social conformity that we will change our, uh, the, what we believe we will change our actions, just to fit in with the group. So I'm, I'm going back to the, you show me your friends and I'll show you your future quote there, because that, that fits in so well here. Because what your friends are doing, what you're allowing to influence you, that's what your future is going to turn into if you're not careful. So we all need to look at what we're surrounding ourselves with, because it's either poisoning us or it's nurturing us and it's, it's good for us. Proverbs 13.20 says it this way, whoever walks with the wise will become wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. And that verse just speaks for itself. Just like in that, we're going to follow what we surround ourselves with. So we're either, we either need to surround ourselves with wise people who are going to give us wise advice and push us towards Jesus, or, and that's nu- nutritious for us, or we're going to follow the wrong example and that's going to be poison to us. I, I was looking up different stories of, of examples of this, and there was one that just stuck out to me because I thought it was absolutely ridiculous. But th- it was this story of an innocent kid. He, he wanted to play basketball with some of his friends, so he went out to play basketball with them. A uh, fight broke out, in this group of friends, this kid wasn't involved, this kid got shot because he was with the wrong group of people just playing a basketball game. But he surrounded himself with this group of people, and this was his end result. He suffered harm because he surrounded himself with fools. And now he's on disability. He's, he has PTSD. He's afraid to go out in public. He's, he can't get a job because he's, he, he's injured. So this, this is one example of, of what that looks like. And I grew up with a kid. We were, we were good friends. And he also had a, another group of friends who this, they were all doing drugs and they were um, they were just off doing their thing. And he decided, okay, I want to do that. So he goes off and he starts doing doing drugs with them. Flash forward a few years, then he turns into a drug dealer because that's what he surrounded himself with. And flash forward a few more years, he gets arrested because, I mean, he's selling drugs and you're not supposed to be doing that. So he gets arrested and So this whole process happened because he initially surrounded himself with people that weren't good for him, and now he has to suffer the consequences of being in prison because of that. So whether you like it or not, you're absorbing what you're surrounding yourself with, whether that be your friends, social media, the news, even the music we listen to will influence how we live each and every day. It's either poisonous to us, or it's good and supplemental and nutritious to us. And this is one uh, foundational reason why we spend time with God. This is one major reason why we, we spend quiet time with him, and we pray to him throughout the day, and we surround ourselves with wise, wise counsel so that we, at the end of the day we look more like him and we can push out these other sources that are poison to us. John fourteen twenty six says it this way. It's going to come up on the screen. But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative. That is the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. So that last piece where it says, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. That's why we surround ourselves with God. That's why we spend time with him, so that he can show us each step of the way. And he, if we're making a bad move, he's going to remind us. And he's going to say, no, don't do that. This isn't, this isn't good for you. To so spend time around the Holy Spirit, and he's going to de- influence your decision-making your life, which brings us right back into the theme verse. It says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. I want to focus on that second verse for this part. But we read that and it's like, man, what does it mean to delight in the law of the Lord? Like, I I don't know what that means. So I, I looked more into it And this is what, this is what I found. This scripture is saying our will, desire, affection, every motive of our hearts, and every moving principle of our souls are on the side of God and his truth. So I looked at that and I was like, oh, well, that's, that's just Bible stuff. No one actually lives that way. But I actually had the pleasure of meeting somebody like this. It was a patient of mine in Virginia. And I actually, I can't say her name because I'll, I'll violate HIPAA, HIPAA laws, and I'm not allowed to do that because John and Travis and Chelsea are going to come jump me, and that's, that's bad. I'm not. So I'm, I'm going to call her Miss Rhonda for the sake of this story. <laughs> so, so Miss Rhonda, when I first met her, she was fresh out of shoulder surgery, and she came into the clinic, and I introduced myself, and she said, Hi, I'm, I'm Rhonda, I'm a child of the one true king, and I'm so excited that I get to meet you. And she just had this uh, genuinity. She just had this genuine nature about her that was unlike anyone I've ever seen. And she didn't just do that with me. She did that with every single person that was in the clinic every time she came in. It was was just unbelievable. And she would walk up to each and every person and say, I'm so sorry you're going through this. Uh, can, Can I ask for your name so I can specifically pray for you tonight? And she did this time after time after time. And, the thing, and I actually thought, well, she's just going to start offending people. People are going to be upset if they're, if they're not believers. But they were also blown away by her genuine nature and her, her empathy and how much she cared about them, that no one was upset. Like, they were just blown away by how awesome she was. So they would tell her what her name was, or what their name was. But the, the thing that blew me away more than anything else is she was probably in worse shape than anyone else in that facility, because she had a reverse total shoulder replacement, with, which if you guys aren't really familiar, familiar with that, it's very painful. They, they cut off both sides of the joint and they reverse it. And, so, and with, with that surgery, you, they don't expect you to make a full recovery. At best, best case scenario, reach 75% of just general motion. They're not talking about strength, they're just talking about how high you can lift. So you're going to be impaired for the rest of your life with that type of surgery, and it's just a known fact. So regardless of what her external circumstances looked like, she was in more pain than most of those people. She was still walking around the facility acting that way towards them, and it it just blew my mind because I've never seen someone who uh, had that capacity of joy and love for other people when she had crappy circumstances herself. But she had this joy that nothing could steal because her joy was in the Lord, so I want to ask you guys um, regarding to delighting yourself in God. Are there any emotions connected to your relationship with God? So are, are you emotionally connected like she was, like this says here, that our will, desire, affection, every motive in our hearts, and every moving principle in our souls are on the side of God? Are, is, do you have emotion connected to your relationship with God, or do you just do it because you like the potential of getting blessings down the road? I think we're going to miss out on so many blessings that God has for our lives if we don't get emotionally invested in our relationship with him. Is God a part of your life, or is he just a part of your Sundays when you decide to go to church in the morning? For this next piece of meditating on his law day and night, I couldn't help but read this this part again. I'm going to read it again where it says, our will, desire, affection, every motive of our hearts, and every moving principle of our souls are on the heart or on the side of God and his truth. I couldn't help but think about when I first started talking to my wife. Because she's over there, if, if anyone is curious, she is beautiful, but that's not the best thing about her. She has this heart that she just cares for people in a way that I've, I haven't experienced before. She cares for each and every person, all of her friends, Every time you come over, she wants to cook you dinner. She just cares for people on another level that I've never experienced. And that was one of the many things that drew me to her. The, when I first started talking to her, it, it started off as a Facebook message. And I'm gonna ask the band to come up at this point too. Uh, it started off as a Facebook message, which turned into a sly move where I got her number, which turned into text messages. And then the first time I remember calling her, her and her family, they were at a restaurant, and I, she said she didn't remember which one it was, so I'm just going to say it was the OG. It was Olive Garden. So, so they were out to eat, and I, I'll never forget this. I was talking to her, and at the same time, her family's talking to her, her sister's talking to her, her uh, and then her, her sister's trying to talk to me. Audra if you guys have met her, you know she's, she's a little voicey. So she, she was trying to yell threw the phone to me as Acacia's trying to talk to me and her family's trying to talk to her. And I just remember like this whirlwind going through my head. And I know that Matt was just sitting there like, oh, just help me get through dinner. Just help me get through this dinner. I know he was sitting there doing that. But for me, it was just this whirlwind of, of like, man, like this is crazy. But when I hung up, my first thought was, man, I can't wait till I get to talk to her again. I can't wait till I get to spend more time with her. And this turned into super long text messages, no joke, the text message would fill my phone and then go another halfway down. And that was about the length of every text message we sent to each other. And it wasn't just when we had a a break. It was in the middle of our work days where we we probably should have gotten a lot of trouble for texting so much. But like they didn't, my managers for whatever reason didn't care. But even if they did care, I still would have done it because I wanted to be with her all the time and talk to her non-stop. And this turned into phone calls that would go upwards of four to five hours sometimes. And we would would talk to each other every night. So I say this because this is the level of connection that God wants to have with you. This is the level of love that he has for you and that he wants you to have for him. And when we can tap into that love, when we can live in that way, man, it changes the way we worship him. It changes the way that we live for him. And it changes our attitude towards him as I can get this thing from him to, man, I just, I can't help but spend every, every thought, every second of the day meditating on him and praying to him and reading scripture. I found this quote that I thought fit, that I thought fit very well to this. It's by Stephen Miller. who's a worship pastor. And it said, it's going to come up on screen. Until Jesus Christ is the obsession of your heart, you'll always be looking to mere men to meet the needs that only he can fill. Only when you make Jesus Christ your first love will you be ready for a love story that reflects his glory. So the passage we studied today, it uses the illustration of a tree that is deeply rooted and planted by streams, Of never ending living water, and that it bears fruit in each and every season. This isn't just a picture of a tree that God put there for us. This is an illustration of what God wants each and every one of us to look like in our relationship with Him. He wants each of us to grow deep, deep roots that are into Him, that we will bear fruit in every season, and our strength will never run dry because of our source. Ephesians three sixteen and seventeen says it this way: the apostle Paul wrote this as a very related blessing to the Ephesians. It says, "I pray that from His glorious, unlimited resources, He will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. Then Christ will make His home in your heart as you trust Him. Your your roots will grow deep down into God's love, and to keep you strong." So that's great and that's fine and that's dandy, but I wanna to speak to the person who feels like they're so buried under their circumstances and they're, so, they're alone in the dark room to the point where they, they can't see a way out. But I wanna encourage you guys today that God has not left you. I know it looks dark and it's scary and it's lonely, but under, it does not mean over. You're under your circumstances, but that doesn't mean that your story is over. God wants to offer his never-ending source of joy and strength to you, but you have to be willing to, to tap into that. You have to be willing to develop in the way that he calls us to develop. And when we allow ourselves to develop in that process, we realize that really we're not buried, but we're just planted. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for this truth and this promise that, that you are with us through each and every circumstance and that, that uh, you will never leave us. God, I pray that each and every one of us are able to go home today and we, we're able to look at what we're surrounding ourselves with and determine, is this poison or is this nutritious for me and is this bringing me closer to God? And if you figure out the poisonous things, God, I, I pray that each and every one of us have the strength to turn away from those things and to pursue you uh, and to try to get through this development process that you have called each and every one of us to get through. We love you, Jesus, and we praise your holy name. Amen.